Hey guys, welcome to NBA Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. My name is Perry Aston, joined by Corbin Weinerman and Christian McGowan. Say hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so Corbin's on yet another vacation in Northern California. I just got back from Cancun. Again, Christian's back here in California, so been a lot of traveling for us in the last couple of weeks, but I had to get a podcast out to you guys with the finals now over. Before we get into that, I want to remind you guys to listen to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. If you're on there, please rate us five star and leave us a review. If you're not on the Apple Podcast app, you can also find us on SoundCloud. Please uh, follow us on Twitter at NBN Wrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Corbin on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. Follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. So let's just jump right into a little finals edition podcast as well as figuring out kind of what's next for LeBron James. Let's talk about Warriors dominance, guys. They swept the finals. I know our predictions weren't – I don't think any of us predicted a sweep, did we? I think I said gentlemen sweep, so in five. You said in five. I said Warriors in five, too. I said in six. I was giving LeBron the benefit of the doubt, but – Regardless of how he played, the Warriors stomped, and the Warriors are the. You know what? If J.R. Smith wasn't the dumbest player in NBA history, they would have grabbed one. That would have been right. Yeah, it would have been the gentleman sweep. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. We'll we'll talk about that in one second. But the Warriors, you know, now they're the fourth NBA franchise to win at least three titles in a four-season span, joining the Lakers, Celtics, and Bulls. Probably the most you know championship-winning. Mm-hmm. Spurs would sneak in there too. Spurs too. So just amazing company, and now they're definitely in that conversation for one of the most dominant NBA franchises of all time already, due to this, of course, this streak now, and who knows how long they're going to keep this going. But you know, the Warriors this offseason, just another stat we wanted to bring up: they outscored their opponents by 210 points this offseason, the third largest point differential in NBA history. Uh, another in 28 that was 2018 right now 2017 was the number one for them plus 230 the Spurs in 2014 were the second highest uh, largest point differential in a single postseason at 214 so they own two out of the three most dominant postseason runs of NBA history when it comes to winning the championships it's one thing when it comes to just completely outright dominating and smashing your opponents. They're finding ways to do this that I don't think any other team has been able to do. Corbin, let's just ask you right off the bat, is this the best team ever assembled? I think that, uh, I think they're one of the best, but I just, I still have a hard time seeing how this team would be able to beat. For me, it's the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers, and I think this team has more premium talent because they have four all-NBA players, whereas the Lakers, I mean, you could pick the 0-1 team when they went 15-1 and in the playoffs. You could pick the 2000 team when they won 67 games in the regular season. For me, I think I'd go with the 2000 Lakers just because that was Shaq's MVP season. He was in his most dominant form. I think the most dominant season that any player has ever had, although LeBron James's season this year comes pretty close. But uh, as as a te- as a team, though, you think that team is better than this overall team for the Warriors? Not that Shaq and Kobe might have been uh, the most dominant force, but I just I don't see how the Warriors would be able to stop Shaq because 
with the Warriors. This, Mathematics: this, a three pointer is worth one more point than a two pointer, and okay. it's just it's just a different time. It's a different okay. time, of course. But, well, hold on, really quickly though, to Christian's point about the three pointer being worth one more point. Yes, but if you shoot forty percent from three, that's incredible as a team. Whereas with the Lakers getting it inside the shack time and time again, he's going to be shooting probably around eighty percent from there when he's not getting fouled. At, 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 at this number. point, I think you're answering with what team in your head do you think could beat them due to matchup problems. But as a team assembled as a whole from top to bottom, as your starting five and your bench, that team's not even close. It's I get what you're saying. That, that Shaq might have been that piece. That, that, that one hack that, move. That can, that can hack the Warriors. This, are we measuring this as in the, terms of just... Quality from their era, or when we're matching them up against each other. I mean, quality of team from top to bottom. If you want to talk game statistics when it comes to record, the Warriors smash this topic. So the only way that this makes sense with what you're saying is, what's the one player that you can think of on a, the most dominant team that you could think of that could have taken this Spurs team? Or sorry, this I mean, Warriors team. I think LeBron James is more dominant than Shaquille O'Neal, and look how that just went for him by himself. So. I mean, you're thinking the addition of Kobe Bryant would Shaq take them. Would also have Kobe Bryant, which is a pretty. I mean, uh, to be on, to be honest, though, you think a prime. Say you add a prime time Kobe to LeBron in this past series. Do you think they beat them in a seven game series? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. I think I think that they win game one, and then LeBron doesn't. I think I think they could have Jesus on their team. It wouldn't make a difference. I think as long as J.R. Smith wasn't on the team, they would have won game one. But let's talk. Just I want to bring up a statistic for their record, including the postseason. The Warriors are three hundred and twenty-eight and eighty-three, a seven ninety-eight winning percentage over the last four seasons. That's the best four-year winning percentage in the NBA in NBA history, beating out the stretch that this Warriors team had from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. So. You know, now a year later, you're going to take this three-year run. It beats their last three-year run. Both four-year run, run, right? Sorry, uh, four-year run. That's what I meant. And the, the four-year runs that those beat are the 95 to 98 Bulls and the 85 to 88 Lakers. Two extremely dominant teams. Both teams winning three titles within a four-year span, and now this Warriors team winning three titles within a four-year span and having the best winning percentage, including postseason, of course throughout any team in, in history. So when you're looking at record, um, really anything at this point, for a numbers standpoint, they really are the most dominant team to to play. And I know you can bring up different times and if players yeah. you know, were I, playing. I don't think there's any debate that if we're just looking at sheer dominance within their era of when they played, that's, the statistics speak for themselves. That's really that's the really the only way you can look at it. And that's just, I mean, if you if you really want to go at the whole well, I, when I generation think, you know, there's, might there's be better. Different ways to look at it though, because you can also look at it as okay, who are the most dominant teams ever, and then you find the top four, top eight, however you want to do it, and then you think about matchups between those teams. Right, but, the, but then but the, but then we're going to what ifs, and we can debate what ifs all day, and oh, that matchup would have been different. You also but, have what ifs when you're just talking about numbers. Uh, the records over the four-year stretch because it's no. different eras. Who's to say if the Warriors well, the, played in the m- pl- era or the Lakers era that it wouldn't have been different? Well, I mean, the- I mean, then you're matching up players like you're matching like let's say a 2000 Shaq versus a 2000 I don't know 18 Javale McGee. Like that's not even like. <laughs> no. A conversation to have, but when it comes to all right, in a four-year span as a team, how well did you guys do? 
in the postseason, in regular season, and did you get a championship at the end of the year? You're only playing the teams that you play at that time. In 2018, you're playing 2018 teams. In 95, you're playing 95 teams. It's just how it works with the year that you're playing, but you can only dominate so much with whatever you're given in a you know in a given year. So you, really the only way to do it and not be biased to how you think about each player and, oh, Shaq would have just done this or anybody else. And I'm not saying you're wrong because as a Laker fan, I would love to say Shaq and Kobe could have beaten anybody as mm-hmm. the best one-two punch of all time. But uh, just this Warriors team, it's uh, my mouth still open. My, my uncle and my cousin, who I actually just got back from Cancun with, we were watching the finals there. We had a whole package to make sure we got all the games because they're from Ohio and just the biggest Cavaliers fans. They were going to go to game, you know, the next game that was in Cleveland once we got back, and they didn't get the chance to, of course, since they got swept. But it was just me sitting there trying to piss them off a bit and say, you know, making all these tidbits about the Warriors and how it just doesn't matter. They can add whoever they want on right now. They can call call Cliff Paul, Chris Paul's brother <laughs> from State Farm. They can call whoever they want. It's not going to matter. And, you know, I just they had nothing to say back to me because it's just the they're watching sheer greatness and they see that LeBron James is playing at a level that no one else has played. Uh, and that comes pretty much from Steve Kerr's mouth, who played with Michael Jordan himself and won championships with him. We're going to talk about LeBron in a second, but just can't can't move on till we just really solidify how great this Warriors team is. We have to give them props, regardless if you love the Warriors or hate them as a fans, guys. This is just dominance in front of our eyes, and to be able to witness this, it's amazing steve kerr let's chime on him who might be one of the is the great one of the greatest champions of all time as a person he's the only person with at least three nba titles as a head coach he has three with golden state and as a player he has five total three with chicago and two with san antonio he's got eight championships guys eight championships for steve kerr is there a greater champion to ever live corbin phil uh, Phil? I think you can maybe make the argument that you give to Steve Kerr over Phil Jackson just because it's a little bit more balanced. Phil Jackson, yeah, he won two as a, um, as a player, and then um, I believe it was, um, what was it, nine? Yeah, no, think- 11 as a uh, head coach, six with the Bulls, five with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's I don't think that anyone's ever going to match his 11 as a coach. I think... Steve Kerr, he'll probably end up getting at least another one or oh, two. Oh yeah, no, they're not. They're not done. He's yeah. gonna at least get yeah, one, but, one or two but more. But they're not. They're not reaching anything close to eleven. And then the odds that Steve Kerr finds another great opportunity, either with the Warriors or someone else, I don't know how likely that is. Right. Um, some people are gonna bring up Bill Russell because he won eleven championships as a player, which is the most all time by any NBA player ever. But you have to discount that a little bit because of the less competition that he was playing against, both in terms of the quality of players he was going up against and the fact that there were quite a few less teams uh, back but when he was what, playing. Winning, against winning, winning some as a coach, winning some as a coach is so impressive. Winning some as a player, of course, you got to give not to them, give not to the teams, give not to you know the era, everything like that, but. To see him win these championships in different eras as a player, on different teams as a player, as a coach, you know, he's just dominated from the second that he's been a head coach with the Warriors. 
just to see the run that he's made, it seems like he doesn't know how to lose when it comes down to this, and he's so calm and collected, and he seems like such a well-liked guy around the league, and especially with his team. Every tidbit that you hear from him when he's mic'd in, he seems like the nicest guy of all time. I saw him hugging one of the players. He's pretty much just, I'm so happy for you, just hugging him, almost crying. It's just, he's so selfless. He's just so happy to have such a team of players that all want to, chime in to be one of the greatest teams of all time he doesn't have selfish players on there and he's not all looking towards one player because lebron james he can take any team to the finals it doesn't matter what team he's on because he single-handedly can will his way there but he realized that no matter how good he is he can win the east there's no problem i think i thought he i think he thinks it's a joke now but he definitely realizes he he's not on a team that's even close to being able to compete against this team and with Kyrie and the run that they had that comeback for the championship it was magical it was meant to be but you this is these teams just played David and Goliath just played four years in a row nobody I think everyone's sick of this if I can speak for all of NBA we'd love to see somebody else in the championship next year maybe one of them could stick in it probably the Warriors obviously but at least somebody else from the east because you know, it's about time. But still, four times now and three times the Warriors became were victorious. The only time LeBron came with his championship, it was a magical comeback run. And he didn't do it alone that year. So just seeing that four-year run and if they didn't have that magical comeback, that's four out of four, the Warriors. Yeah, without that comeback, it it's pretty lopsided. All Golden State, so... Even with the comeback, it's still lopsided. Yeah, it's still pretty lopsided. Yeah, regardless. And it's not like they... This was a competitive series. This was this was yeah. not fun to watch. That's um, what um, that's what we said in the last podcast at the Western Conference Finals. And we we, just, we just said we just said last year was the number one largest point differential in the sing, in a single postseason, two hundred and thirty points. This was two hundred ten. I know I'm speaking an entire postseason, but it's not like the championship made any you know dent in that number. That it was just all of a sudden they ran into the Rockets made more of a dent in that number than the Cavs did. I really think that. I think a Celtics series would have been a lot more interesting. I think they would have been able to match up better. It would have made a difference. Would Kyrie would have been back would it, for that? I, I think mean, it still would have been a sweep. It, I, I, think, I think it still would have probably been gentleman sweep at the very least. It would have been more interesting to see in New Jersey, though. Definitely. And let's bring up a couple more stats because Kevin Durant won MVP. So congrats to KD. We put up a poll, uh, I think a week before the championship, asking that if the Warriors did win, who did you guys think would win MVP between pretty much Durant, Curry, Clay Thompson, or other? And Kevin Durant got 48%. So you guys pretty much hit it on the on the dot. And he's the sixth player to win back-to-back finals MVP. Uh, he joins LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, and Hakeem Olajuwon. So just an incredible company, sixth player to win back-to-back finals. And he had an amazing postseason run. Corbin, I want to hear your thoughts on Kevin Durant's postseason run. He really showed that he was ready to play. Yeah, I, Kevin Durant is an incredible, incredible basketball player and probably the second best player in the NBA. It's he, just, he, he is right it's now. Shame, so. It's a shame that we just can't appreciate it the way that we should because he went to a team that won 73 games the year before him. And if not for dealing with the combination of Raymond Green getting suspended and Stephen Curry and, to a lesser extent, Clay Thompson both dealing with injuries during the finals in 2016, if not for a combination of that, then 
the Warriors win in 2016. The Cavs do not come back from down 3-1. And Kevin Durant goes to them the next year, and yeah, they win the championship, which I guess technically they couldn't do the year before without him, but it was just... It, that there was no suspense at all whatsoever, and it was so disappointing for me to see Kevin Durant after he's up three games to one with the Oklahoma City Thunder in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. He chokes that lead away with Russell Westbrook. They lose that four games to three, and then you think, okay, well, you know what? The Thunder are going to be back next year. They made a trade. They traded Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, and I thought that that made the Thunder a better team with Kevin Durant, and I was getting excited thinking, yeah, the Thunder could probably take down the Warriors this next year. Then free agency hits, and Kevin Durant decides he doesn't want to compete. He's just going to go to the Warriors, and yeah, he's still he's the best player on the Warriors, but he's not appreciated the way he should. I think a lot of people, when they think the Warriors, and rightfully so, they think Stephen Curry's the first guy who comes to mind. And I think, especially in the Bay Area, that trio of Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green is so beloved there. It almost feels like sometimes Kevin Durant is like the fourth player that well, redheaded okay, stepchild. When we're talking Bay Area, they love Kevin Durant like a king there. And the four of them, they're fully accepted in this. And he is the re- he is the reason why they're the greatest team ever assembled. Before he got there, oh, no, they no. were one of the best teams ever assembled. With him, they are. And I get what you're saying. And this reminds me of what Christian said on the last podcast, calling the Warriors kind of the Patriots of basketball and saying the Patriot effect, how somebody wants to maybe take less money, maybe not necessarily less money, but a more friendly deal, or kind of quit what they're doing and just join. I, I know that you think it's more just kind of taking the easy way out and joining. That's what Nick Young did. Uh, there's reports that Trevor Reza would be interested in signing with the Warriors too. Right, but Kevin Kevin Durant, regardless, of, even though Ariza is going to definitely have an impact on any team and there are solid players, Kevin Durant, like Corbin said, is definitely the second best player in the NBA yeah. right now and he's able to make a difference on a team that didn't have three All-NBA players before and with them it creates... As I said, the best team ever assembled. So I see what he did. I think it's something special. I, I can sit here and appreciate it, especially since it's not fresh anymore that Kevin Durant left. And I think everyone's kind of gotten this whole rant out of their system because they're going to have to deal with it. And I know you put up another poll, Corbin, asking everybody if they thought where Kevin Durant would be playing next year, if that'd be with the Warriors or just other. And it's some, something like 83 to 17. Yeah, 80, 84%. Yes, something like that. I so, fully expect him to be back with the Warriors. And I, th- I think he's going to honestly spend, If I'm not going to say all his career because of how the NBA is nowadays and everything's changing always and the teams, you're always going to team up with who's who's best. And, of course, even LeBron James at this point in his career, after going home, it's still maybe he may leave again now, but... He's going to leave. I don't see Kevin Durant leaving. I see him staying as long as they want to keep this together. The people they're going to keep intact, as long as they can keep him, Steph Curry, and you know, rather Clay Thompson or Draymond Green or a mixture of any of the guys. Like as long as they can keep Steph Curry and Clay Thompson there. Sorry, Steph Curry and KD there, and just figure out the pieces along the way. They can keep this going as long as they want. Steve Kerr is a mastermind coach. And I really believe in him. I want to bring up just now that we're talking about Steph Curry, just a couple 
tidbits about him. Steph Curry set an NBA Finals record for the most three-pointers in a four-game final series with 22. So yes, it, even though it's just a four-game four series, they're just going with just series that went in a sweep. He had 22 three-pointers, doubling the previous mark of 11, held by Adam Fernie Hardaway and Robert Ory. So they each had 11. For him, it was 22. It's not even a question. He's He's just breaking records nowadays, and he... You know, you know what's even crazier about that, though, is I know he had the one game where he broke Ray Allen's record, and he had nine threes in one game, which obviously helped a lot, but... Another record? Game three, yeah, game three, I believe it was, though. I think he shot, what, like one for ten or something like that, so... Basically, in three games, he had 21 threes. Yeah, and Steph Curry's the eighth player with three titles and multiple MVPs, joining Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Tim Duncan. So again, just the eighth player with three titles and multiple MVPs. What amazing company to be a part of. Steph Curry's... Uh, he's He'd be in the Hall of Fame right now if his career ended right now. He, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just imagine the kind of career that he's going to continue to have. That's true, this team staying together. Yeah, and this team staying together, it's so exciting to me. And one more stat about the Warriors I wanted to bring up that I thought you guys are going to think is extremely impressive but also hilarious. JaVale McGee, who <laughs> everyone loves because of his personality. He's been one of the most efficient players on this Warriors team, especially when it comes to crunch time in the playoffs. JaVale McGee is now the Warriors' all-time leader in postseason field goal percentage. Minimum 100, minimum 100 attempts. He's hit 80 for 114, 70.2% over 29 playoff games with Golden State. It's not not bad. That's amazing. 70.2. And he is the all-time Warriors leader in postseason field goal percentage. JaVale McGee over 29 playoff games. I wanted to bring that up as the most mind-blowing stat that both of you or any of our listeners heard all day. He is the perfect starting center for them. I, I love him, I mean, and they need to get showed, they need to get rid of Zaza. I hate I hate Zaza. The NBA Finals, like there were a few times when he was rolling off of pick and roll, and they dumped the ball to him as he's running down the lane, and he did like a. Euro step on yeah. one of them, he sidestepped someone I'm else. Like, I didn't know that he could do that. No, he, he's a gazelle. He's a gazelle with grills. He's literally wearing a grill now. He's a gazelle with grills. Uh. He's hilarious. All right, guys, let's move on to LeBron James. I, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, if not the, the decision part three. The decision part three, and let's bring up just a stat or two with him on the finals before we move on to his postseason plans. LeBron James finished this postseason with 748 points. That's the second most points in a single postseason uh, in NBA history. Michael Jordan had 759 in 1992. So 759 for MJ, 748 for LBJ. Super close, 11-point difference. They both did it in 22 playoff games. And LeBron James apparently was dealing with if it wasn't a broken hand, it was a definitely messed up hand for the entire yeah, finals yeah. because I'm pretty sure he punched a blackboard out of frustration. And he didn't say anything because he didn't want the Warriors to know that or anybody really. And, of course, it seems like some dramatic, well, if my hand wasn't injured, right. I probably would have grabbed one or two games. And if JR wasn't completely stupid, we would have definitely grabbed game one. But just even with the hand, his stats were right there, and regardless, if he put up another 20 points a game, it wouldn't have made 
a difference, really. It just seemed like that. But still, you got to give LeBron James credit for one of the most amazing postseasons of all time, one of the most amazing seasons of all time. Steve Kerr has nothing but amazing things to say about him and pretty much chiming on the fact that no one's played at this level, and that comes from Steve Kerr, who's won five championships as a player and three as a coach with you know a Bulls team that was so great and a Warriors team that he's coaching that is so great and being around such amazing talent. For him to just say it's not even I've never even seen this in my life. It has coming from him, that meant so much to me because he, out of anyone, knows how it is. He made a shot that pretty much won MJ one of his championships and he's been there, you know, with greatness. And seeing him as a coach and being able to see this from another point of view as well, not actually being on the court but, you know, on the sideline. It really blows my mind because hearing it from him really solidified that LeBron is the greatest of all time. Christian, do you have any other different, you know, any opinion on Steve Kerr's comments or I any mean, other difference of opinion? Of anyone to be the <clears throat> the person you would trust to make that comparison, it would have it'd to be, be him, someone who has played with Michael Jordan and has coached against LeBron James. Um, I don't know how, who else. Up him with Chris Broussard from ESPN. Like, I don't. Know, I don't know how much um, who other's opinion would actually matter on this, but right. You can go no find way. some old head uh, in the bar that'll tell you that some uh, Michael Jordan's still better, but LeBron's doing it all: points, assists, rebounds. Let's just relish in his greatness and stop trying to split hairs on who he thinks the best. Right. Statistical leaders in each category over the last four NBA Finals combined. Remember, guys, the Warriors and the Cavs have played in the last four, so the Warriors and Cavs players are the only ones that would qualify for these stats, which is crazy enough to think of. Points over the last four NBA Finals, LeBron James with 727, Steph Curry with 558. That's one and two right there. LeBron James takes that category by a ton. Rebounds. 253 LeBron James, 199 to Tristan Thompson. So no one even grabbed 200 rebounds within the last four NBA Finals. And LeBron, of course, 253. And another cap at number two. And another cap at number two, which is actually weird to think. But the uh, assist leader, LeBron James, 205. Steph Curry, 138. It's not even close. LeBron James, over 200 assists. Blocks, LeBron James, 28. Draymond Green, 22. It doesn't matter what statistical category I bring up. LeBron James is number one for the most part. And when it comes to postseason runs, finals runs, look at this man. I know that he's just lost his sixth NBA finals. And that is a big deal, Corbin. I know that. And I know that Michael Jordan is six for six. And people are going to just bring up this number for a long time. But look how many times LeBron James has been in the finals. And look at these shit teams that he's been with sometimes in the finals that he wouldn't even come close to even thinking about the NBA finals without him on that team you know let alone being having a chance to win it that year you know the players this year it seemed like they had nothing to say except for all praise and all thanks for LeBron James and that's kind of sad as an NBA team with the you know the players on that team I understand that they're all taken in the fact that this might be the last time they play with LeBron James and they had another championship run. This was a four-year span for a lot of his teammates. But still, to just, just look at this man and pretty much be, thank you, LeBron, for everything you've done for us and for this team. It's just, 
it's pretty sad because he, I mean he's making careers. Ty Ty Lue's going to be looked at as a good coach in history for doing nothing. twenty years down the line. Someone's going to say Ty Lue is has to be in the conversation for one you know at least one of the great greater coaches. And I'm going to sit there and slap a kid silly and say you should have seen Eric Spolstra and. You know, Ty Lue back in the day, they were nothing, but LeBron James made them something. So, Eric, Eric Spolstra is a pretty good guy. No, he is now, but he wasn't then. And if it wasn't for LeBron James, he wouldn't still have his coaching job now. He left him in great a great position. And I know Eric Spolstra has been in the Miami Heat organization for over 20 years, I believe. I think he started as a video technician. I saw a picture the yeah, other day tweeted by the Miami Heat saying TBT when you know Coach Spolstra really started back in the day. So of course I'm you know I'm not knocking him necessarily. I'm just saying how these coaches it doesn't matter if they were good or not. Some of the players on this team they would have never been remembered for anything, but because they played next to the king and he was able to carry them, they're going to be remembered for something great and that's amazing in its own. And he probably will put one or two people in the Hall of Fame just because of the amount of championships they have and because they were able to be on, you know, a team with him. But let, let me read one more uh, at least the up- updated records in the NBA Finals for some of the greatest of all time: Jordan six and zero, Kareem six and four, Duncan five and one, Kobe five and two, Magic five and four, Shaq four and two, Curry three and one, Bird three and two, LeBron three and six. Corbin, any thoughts from that list? Yeah, really quickly with the just in regards to the finals that just happened with LeBron, that broken hand, because you were mentioning how he finished with the second most points to Michael Jordan. If he doesn't break his hand or almost break it, whatever happened with it, I think he easily beats Michael Jordan's record. It was something where it just seemed like in games two, three, and four, he was not nearly as aggressive as he was in game one, and I'm sure a lot of that had to do with his hand. And on top of that, he was not finishing as well. I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as his field goal percentage at the rim in games two through four versus game one, but it was very clear to me. I didn't think that something was up with him, like an injury or something, but just I just thought it was strange. He was not finishing as well as he normally does, but now looking back, that makes complete sense. Uh, we saw in uh, game four when he got fouled by Draymond Green and he reached his hand out to kind of brace his fall, um, he was grimacing in pain, trying to flex it. I mean, clearly it's going to hurt if it's broken or almost broken. Um, and then, to your point, as far as the um, finals records with LeBron James versus other people, it matters, um, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Because No, it doesn't. It doesn't think, at all. Yeah, think about this team that he just brought to the NBA Finals. If you take LeBron James off of this team and put... Any other one superstar in NBA history on that team instead of him, whether it's Michael Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, Kareem, Magic, whoever you want, they don't make these NBA finals. And I I, I totally agree with you there because Michael Jordan, no matter how amazing and great he was, we were never never able to see him carry it on his own because he had no need to. His teams he played, the teams he played with, were great. Well, yeah, Michael Jordan. So when he left to go play baseball. That Bulls team still finished first place in the East, led by Scottie Pippen. Right. They didn't make it to the NBA Finals. That was still a really good team. 
this team, this Cleveland Cavaliers team, without LeBron James, they, they'd be in the lottery. They, they, have, they have the worst record in the NBA. They have the worst record in the NBA. And he took right. them all the way to the NBA Finals. And that's why you want to talk about how, well, Jordan was undefeated in the Finals, and that matters. Okay, well, he's 6-0 and in the Finals, so that just means that the other nine years of his NBA career, he lost before he got there. So we're going to celebrate the fact that he lost early, whereas LeBron James, didn't, for, what is it, eight straight years he's been to the NBA Finals, and LeBron James, I believe, has never lost in the first round, whereas Michael Jordan, I think he got bounced, I think Michael Jordan's teams got bounced twice in the first round, and yeah, that's, something people, round. that's so, something people don't talk about, they say six for six in the championship, but imagine if he you know, made the championship that, he'd be six for eight if he made the championship in those two years. And would that be more impressive to you that he made it to eight championships and won six of them or instead of the whole six for six? Because people keep chiming on the fact that he hasn't lost in NBA Finals. He is the GOAT because he, when it comes down to it, he doesn't lose. But it's, he did lose before it even mattered. I Just like you said, I don't think LeBron James has ever lost in a first round series and he's in the finals every single year no matter what crap team he's on or you know whatever situation it's he's more in. of a testament to the fact that he carried them to the championship and didn't win it than to get bounced in the first round like mj did that's totally. less impressive exactly. Totally. exactly and then you think about like jordan i don't know how many times he lost in the conference finals to the pistons i think it was at least like two times they had the jordan rules um there's a book written about how the pistons were able to defend them and then the nba kind of had to change the rules to not let the Pistons be quite as physical against him so that then Jordan could get to the championship and finally overcome the Pistons. Whereas LeBron James, like, you want to be physical with him? Go ahead, because you're the one that's going to get hurt. Yeah, he's a ball. He's a wrecking ball. No, I like I like the points you guys bring up. LeBron James is a, a grown man that just defeats anything in his way. and Except with, the Warriors. You know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, okay, honestly, I'm going to stop talking because that was a great, great response. Uh, so let's 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 put finals behind us now. We did amazing coverage, guys. Uh, so I want to give shout out to both you guys. Thank you for all of your work along with me covering this insane postseason run. I had so much fun, especially on Twitter. Thank you to everybody who's been so active, has participated in all of our polls. We've been putting out a ton of polls. We're going to be putting out another podcast. Towards the end of this week as well, we're going to be going over each one of those polls and in complete depth with one of our guest stars that we're going to be having on. But just glad to put the finals now behind us and Mm -hmm. answer the question everybody is talking about. LeBron James, where is he going to be going for this offseason? I think we keep bringing this up over and over again. But honestly, my mindset's changed since the last time we brought this up. Uh, Maybe your guys... Have two. Let's talk LeBron James. Corbin, I'm going to let you start this off, and let's let's ride the LeBron train. Okay, well, let's uh, let's start off with the odds, according to Odds Shark, on where LeBron James is going to be next season. So, according to Odds Shark, they have the Lakers with the best odds of landing LeBron James at plus 200. That means that if you were to bet $100 that LeBron James would end up on the Lakers next year, and he ended up on them that you would win $200 plus you'd get your $100 back. So after the Lakers at plus 200, you have the Rockets at plus 220. Then tied at third are the Cavaliers at plus 350 and the 76ers at plus 350. After that, according to Oddshark, it's some kind of long shots. No one has greater than a plus 1,000, and that's the Celtics. Spurs are at plus 1,200. 
Warriors and Clippers are at plus 2,000. And then the only other ones even on this list are the Heat at plus 3,300. So with that, I guess let's start with the team that he is currently under contract for, at least until the end of this month, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that with the Cavaliers in terms of like making the best case for why he should stay, it really just has to come down to his family. I don't see how LeBron James stays in Cleveland unless then there's been a report about how his family would need to be like begging him to stay for him to stay. And I believe that just because I don't know where LeBron James is going to go, but I think the one thing I'm really confident of, and I think I said this on the last podcast, is that he will not be in Cleveland after this year. The workload that he had to do, we talked about how incredible it was that he got this team to the NBA Finals, but it also took the most tremendous toll that I think it's taken on any NBA player's body ever in terms of being able to lead their team to greatness, or at least close to it. I don't see how he stays in Cleveland. It there's nothing, that roster is so just strapped for cash. They're well over the salary cap, even without LeBron James. They have no flexibility whatsoever. It's not like they can go out and recruit Paul George to come sign with them as well. Uh, I just don't see it happening. And for me, I think, I mean, we'll get to the other teams, but for me, I just don't see it happening with the Cavaliers. What about you guys? What do you think of the Cavs? I see where you're coming from, and as I've been saying, I've been saying the opposite. I think he's going to be staying in Cleveland. Right now, my mindset is different than what it was, so I think it's more up in the air than I thought. Uh, Really because of how this finals run went for me, I think if they went six games and it seemed like there was other people on this team, like Kevin Love and players that it seemed like maybe they were just one piece away and it could have been something as simple as... Because one thing I did, I was actually listening to a podcast, a Woj podcast on the plane with Brian Windhorst. I was also listening to another one as well with Bobby Marks. And they both were chiming on the fact that when talking to personnel around the league, it's more now more than ever is going to be the Chris Paul effect with opting into the last year of her contract and figuring out a way to to trade to a big team and at least give it your all for one year and then you can worry about the contract then and you sign in for a pretty much a large sign and trade and they're saying that's going to be if it hasn't already become the thing and the norm in the NBA it's about to become in a big way and a lot of teams are quote unquote going all in to beat the warriors so the only thing that intrigues me is the fact that you know, they have that pick in the top 10 and they could make something happen with the mixture of players and the pick and really do go all in, like you said, enticing. Someone like Paul George, I'm not saying that, maybe something like a Kawhi since he can be traded and I know that's not exactly the same situation because he's not opting in, but still, you know where my head's at. So if, if he does stay... Cody Altman, the GM, who is willing to flip this entire team and go crazy for LeBron James. Look at the trade deadline. He flipped half of this team completely over. And to be honest, I think that's why they uh, had a better end to the season. I'm not going to say that's why they made the finals. Because just like we said, I think he could have taken a G League team to the finals. If LeBron's playing the way he's playing right now, it was all him. So... I think winning the East would have been a joke for him regardless. But at least he 
the atmosphere in Cleveland was better. They did what they had to do to keep LeBron happy, just like my dad always says, happy wife, happy life. For, you know, the Cavaliers, their wife is LeBron James, and they need to keep that man happy. So if he wants you to go out and get Rodney Hood, who who all of a sudden doesn't do anything, and then their Rodney Hood is, he's playing in Game 3 of the Finals, and then he's actually the only player that put any effort in in Game 4. So it didn't matter, you know, at least Jordan Clarkson was getting minutes, and Nance was extremely efficient, and, you know, all the moves that they did made George Hill was a part of this Finals. I'm not going to say for good or for bad, but he was a part of it. So they, they did it all for him, and I think they'll do it again if... I think they're going to do it again regardless. This team, they can, they're can they going to have to scrap it. So they're going to make the moves. They're going to go all in for LeBron James. And like you said... But how how do you scrap it? I think... It, it, it's just just like I said, it's you're going to have to get rid of like a Kevin Love. And you know if and that's going to be tough to lose. And this pick in regards well, to... Well, yeah, I think, I think the smartest thing for them to do... It's just... it's They're in such a difficult position right now because that eighth pick is more valuable before they draft someone than it is once they draft a specific player. But they aren't going to know what LeBron James is going to be doing until after the draft. Yeah, I mean, he has until, just for all you guys who don't know, James has until June 29th to opt out or opt into his final year of his contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And if he opts out, he's expected to become a free agent. If not, he can opt in and go for a sign-and-trade similar to what Chris Paul did. Uh, Cleveland can offer James a five-year deal worth nearly $209 million when other teams can offer more in the ballpark of about four years, $150 million. But, of course, there's no guarantee that LeBron takes a long-term deal at this point. You've seen LeBron take one-year deals in the past. Yeah, ever since he came back from Miami, it's been... Well, it was a one-year deal and then another one-year deal, and then after they won the championship, he took a three-year deal with an opt-out after his second year, which is where we are right now. But, yeah, I don't think the people love to talk about how players have a difficult decision leaving their current team because their current team can give them that extra year and a little bit more money. It doesn't matter with LeBron James. He's not taking a five-year deal. He is incredible, and he's going to get the max salary every year until he doesn't want to play anymore unless something... Right, and and another thing, Corbin, another thing I heard... You know, listening to a couple other podcasts as well, just hearing that that fifth year now is becoming so much less appealing to these players. It's becoming not an advantage, to be honest, for a team to be able to offer that extra year. Players are wanting to get back into free agency, even if that means re-signing with their teams. You know, especially with the C- the new CBA and the way that money flies around nowadays, and of course, keeping your options open with the ever changing times that's going on right now. To you know take a five-year contract isn't as appealing as it used to be and if anything it might be turning to the other end of the spectrum where people are staying away from that and that's that makes complete sense because you think about the salary cap you mentioned how it's inflated so much over the past two years so 2016 when Durant signed with the Warriors part of the reason the entire reason why they had that cap room was because the salary cap went up from it was at around like sixty-seven million dollars the previous year up to around like ninety-four million dollars, and that was all just because of a new TV deal that was coming into effect, and it was some of the money was going to be passed on to the players. I think the NBA was going to make like eight billion extra dollars over the course of the deal. Something that has not been talked about, and 
we'll have to wait and see how this all figures into how much extra money the NBA is going to be making from this. But sports gambling being legalized, the NBA, even before it was legalized, they were the one league that was adamant that they wanted to figure out a way to make sports gambling work with the league. It's the most, it's the most they, progressive league in all of major yeah, sports. Yeah, and, they, and Adam Silver is the most progressive commissioner, commissioner ever. They see the revenue potential for that. So now that it's legal, that only gives the NBA more momentum to figure out new ways to generate revenue from that. So I don't know how long it's going to take or how much extra revenue it's going to bring in for the NBA, but that's something to watch within the next few years to see how that impacts the salary cap as well. Because you're right, if you sign, if you're any top player and you sign a five year deal, you're locked into, even if it's the max deal, that's. Let's say uh, you have between seven and nine years of experience. You get, I think it's 33% of the salary cap as your starting salary. But that's the salary cap when you sign it. If the salary cap jumps up in two or three years, you're stuck at that contract that you signed two exactly. or three years ago. So these uh, shorter-term so contracts give more power to the players. Yeah, the shorter-term contracts definitely give more power to the players, and especially with how money's flying around right now with, with Corbin saying with inflation and everything. It's stupid almost to lock yourself into a five-year because that's what your current team can offer you compared to other teams that can really offer you a four. At this point, even a four-year deal might even be off the table for a lot of these players. Once you get in that Supermax deal. Yeah, Supermax, and there's, of course, the set of rules that come along with that. But let's get back to LeBron James and his decision. I know something I read. Dwayne Wade's uh, a close friend of LeBron James, a teammate of LeBron James. They won two championships together. The Banana Boat crew. He was actually quoted a few times today saying his decision is going to be a lifestyle thing, quote-unquote, and that he thinks uh, LeBron's decision will be based on more than just basketball. I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Los I, Angeles. In this career. I, you could say that. Christian. <laughs> I'm just saying I think it's obvious at this point LeBron James is doing this more than just – he's not looking at teams saying who's giving him the best chance for a championship. What he said, quote-unquote, that we put – um, on our Twitter after the championship, he said, I want to stay in championship mode when was when he was asked about his upcoming free agency. So if that means in Cleveland, if that means anywhere else, he wants to compete for a championship right now, obviously. What Dwayne Wade was saying, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, was that it's going to be much more than just basketball because in regards to competing for a championship and looking at it just from basketball terms, he can take any team to the championship. He... He really has his pick of the litter. He can go to the Bucks right now. He can go anywhere, and they're now the favorites to win the East at the very least, or you know the championship. If you're looking at it for who, depending on the team he matches up with, depending on how they match up with the Warriors, but no one's gonna, they're going to be the favorites for sure. You know, in the East, yeah, you can put them on any team in the East, and they're going to go to the the conference. And that's conference. what I'm saying. So with LeBron, it's almost stupid to think of this as the Spurs have such a winning culture and this, because someone was telling me that the other day. He's a San Antonio fan, one of my friends. He's saying, oh, he's, he's probably going to go to the Spurs. Did you see the reports that Popovich was reaching out to LeBron? And of course he is. He's doing his due diligence. And why would you not want to have a meeting with the best player of all time? Because I know how much he respects Pop. And at least he was chiming in at the end of this series saying how important it was for LeBron to be surrounded with high IQ players. And 
you could tell the frustration that he had that he didn't have high IQ players around him, or at least a lot. You know, seeing J.R. Smith's mistake that had to. You saw LeBron James just get up mid post conference. He got up, he grabbed his bag, and he walked out. Just put his glasses on. He didn't want to talk about it. He he was done. So, and J.R. Smith is a good player and someone that LeBron spent a lot of years with. So it, it doesn't matter. He takes this extremely seriously. He hurt his hand for. Punching a blackboard, you, th- you don't think he thought of the repercussions before that? He would have hurt himself. Probably, you know, not. probably not. He's just so passionate. All he cares about is winning, and it's just him. And I was reading all these quotes about from Iman Schumper and other players that have played with him previously about how he keeps up with his body and his regimen and how they have nothing but the highest praise possible to say about it. And I was reading these quotes on how he'll be late to personal events or he'll be late to team activities because he's finishing his rehab and because he's doing things the right way with his body and he'd rather he's like i'm not going to be at that event because you wouldn't want me at that event unless i'm at this level that i'm at right now because i wouldn't be lebron james if i'm not so i'm going to sit here and do what i do and i'll be there afterwards and it was he was and uh, iman shumper was saying it might look selfish to other people but coming from a competitor and someone that's played with them it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen because he that's the only thing he cares about it's just the fact and that's the reason why he's this age having the best year of his career and what they were saying is that it's really going to be up to him when he wants to stop it's such a commitment and such an effort thing for him day in and day out that you know he's able to stay at the tip-top shape and it's really up to him how because it's so tolling on his body after five more years of this six more years of this seven more years of this it's whenever he decides to shut it all down, not when his body decides to shut him down. And when I was reading these quotes, it was just blowing my mind to see other human basketball players that are so crazy in their own right just to think that they're in the NBA, just looking at a man saying he's just going to be the greatest for as long as he wants. It's that His body has nothing to say to him. It's just he's in full control. And it's I know we keep chiming on it. It's just so crazy. I, I don't completely agree with that, though. I think... Let me hear your LeBron opinion. James, I'm, I'm convinced he's superhuman, though. He's not a normal human because a normal human did not do the stuff that he does and be in this great shape at his age. But to say that his body is never going to fail him. I don't think I, they said never going to fail him, but okay, well, people but usually take. say that it's not going to be for a long time, like, I think that a reasonable ish comparison to make is him and Kobe, just because they did both come out of high school. Granted, LeBron James is a much better athlete than Kobe ever was, much stronger and can take the physical pounding better than Kobe, even though Kobe could pretty well too. But Kobe, um, in the 2013 NBA season, let's see, he was, I believe, 34 years old, right? Wait, 2014? Yeah, 34 years old. Um, and he was in tremendous shape. Um, he was playing pretty much the entire game for the last month or so before he ended up rupturing his Achilles and leading up to that he was scoring about 26 27 points per game he was taking the best player uh, defending the best player night in the night out on the perimeter I just and Kobe is known even more so than LeBron James more so than anyone else in NBA history as just being meticulous about how he goes about training and being in the best condition possible it's just eventually mother nature does catch up to you and LeBron James, that's one thing where I think that whatever team signs him, I think that LeBron James will be taking a shorter contract wherever he goes, whether it's Cleveland or somewhere else. 
But I think that that's a good thing for the team as well because if you give him a max four-year deal and then he gets a devastating injury like Kobe Bryant did in the first or second year of uh, LeBron James's new contract, then that's really tough for the team moving forward because, I mean, you guys know how I am with ruptured Achilles. If he ruptures his Achilles or some other just... Shoot him in the head, he's done. Yeah, you might as well just kill him and his family because he's just done. But, yeah, let's just... I want to move back to the quote-unquote lifestyle thing. Christian, I know you chimed in it right away on how you said that means Los Angeles because with his lifestyle, with I believe it's Maverick Carter as his production company, he is so involved in as a celebrity, not just an athlete. He is an investor in so many different companies. I know Blaze Pizza is his own. I think that's the fastest growing chain in the US and so for him he's such a great businessman and he Cleveland's not the greatest place to conduct business as a celebrity no, when especially in, not entertainment. in reality so in for entertainment especially like what you're saying I think this lifestyle thing is so interesting to think about because people are floating around the idea of the 76ers the Lakers the Rockets the Cavaliers and Houston of course is a lively place for celebrities and for Things to happen, but you can't really beat L.A. when you're looking just from a lifestyle entertainment standpoint. And I think that Le- Dwayne Wade saying this really solidifies the fact that LeBron James, and of course this has something to do with his family too, it's going to be where his family's happiest. I've read this in the article too that, I was, that I'm referring to. His family, where they're going to be most comfortable, you know, where they want to spend the next few years. But just like you said in the last podcast, Christian, he can have his stuff packed up. They're going to be living in Brentwood by the next night. Yeah, and, it, and they're talking about ESPN right after the game. Is uh, LeBron and his family love Brentwood. They love being in Los Angeles. So it's not opposed to staying in Cleveland. They, they already love L.A. So uh, it wouldn't be too hard to tell the kids they're going to live in their L.A. house instead of their Cleveland house. And, um, and for a lifestyle thing, I think he's looking past just his career right now. and what I think he's looking at what he can do while he's playing. And this isn't just... Okay, well, when I retire, I want to be in LA and really focus on my production company. He's doing everything outside of basketball right now, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it's not like it's distracting him. Look at him. And a lot play. of it is in Los Angeles already. Exactly, Corbin. Do you have any opinion on it being a lifestyle thing, and that meaning LA, or if that meaning more just the fact that he's looking to place his family somewhere better? Because he did chime on the entertainment aspect and the family aspect. Yeah, I think the Dwayne Wade quote that you're talking about, I. I remember reading it earlier. I think it mentioned something. It was more like having to do with family, that he's going to take his family into account um, when making his next decision. Um, but if if it's, if it's he's looking for like the best lifestyle possible, yeah, there's, there's no better place than L.A. in terms of everything that LeBron James wants to do. Moving forward, the business mogul that he has become, um, he's dipped his feet into movies before. What was the name of that movie? I think Trainwreck. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Um, but he's, he's going to be in more movies going forward. There's been rumors about him doing Space Jam too. Actually, I think that was confirmed that they're going to be doing that. Um, Space I Jam too. So. Um, I assume like they've confirmed whether LeBron was going to be in it or not. I know okay. they've confirmed um, that they're going to make a Space Jam too. Yeah, well, there, there's been be cool. rumors running rampant about that for I don't know how many years. I think it'd be right. Well, they were doing it with Kobe Bryant, too. They were putting Kobe Bryant on the hypothetical cover when okay. he was... Okay, but regardless, he's going to be in more movies. I think that with what he wants to do um, moving forward after his basketball life is over, it as, 
as marketable as LeBron James is right now, him going to the Lakers and returning that team back to greatness, that just increases his marketability even more so. Something that it seems like it can't happen, but if he does that, then he opens up so many doors in L.A. just because he's here most of the time versus where right now he can really only be here in the summer. Um, you guys mentioned how he has, he actually has two houses in Brentwood right now. Um, I'm sure that his sons and daughter would be able to get over moving from Cleveland to L.A. even if they have yeah. to. I think Harvard, Westlake, and Oaks Christian are good enough schools for them. Yeah, good. I'm, sure they, I'm sure they would be very accommodating. Um, but, yeah, I just think um, there was also something that I spoke about on our last podcast, um, how I listened to a Lakers podcast, um, and this guy, Pete Zayas, he had mentioned how he had been speaking to four different people in the entertainment industry who all said definitively that, yeah, LeBron James is coming. That report ended up gaining a little bit of traction after um, I spoke about it, and uh, I believe Colin Coward was talking about it, some uh, Bomani Jones on ESPN. Uh, but then I listened to another podcast with Pete Zayas on it, and he wanted to clarify stuff that uh, he wasn't speaking to any like big-time directors like Steven Spielberg. It was just some like lower-level people in the entertainment industry that he had um, become familiar with and gotten to know over the years. Um, but I think there's still some, probably some truth to that, just because LeBron James is by far the biggest NBA player in terms of um, dipping his feet into the entertainment industry. So there's probably some truth to that. Um, but again, I I don't know where LeBron James is going. I just think that there's no way he goes back to Let's Cleveland. Let's do a quick dissection of each destination for him. And let's yeah. spend, I think, the least amount of time on the Cavs. I think we keep chiming on it. But I want to ask you more just kind of yes or no questions and you can kind of justify your answer a little bit. But let's not rampage too on for the Cavaliers. I want to more explore his more exciting options because staying with the Cavs, you know, is the least exciting, but it definitely the easiest route to go right now for, for him in regards to not having to move everything around. But for the Cavs, Corbin, you said you don't believe that he's going to be a Cavalier next year, correct? Yeah, I just think the only way that he is there is if not even just his kids, like his wife has to say, like, look, I do not want to leave Cleveland. I want to be here. Yeah. And then his kids are putting that pressure on him. And I don't think that's going to happen. Now, but that's the only way. Christian, do you think he'll be a Cavalier next year? or No, I don't yeah. care what his kids say. You, you, People move because their job all the time. They don't, they don't dictate their job what their kids say. And, I, and at this point, I know I've been saying he's going to stay in Cleveland. I don't think that it's a no, he's not going to be there anymore. I think they're going to have to really show what they're about. And it's gonna he's going to have to test if his relationship with management and, and ownership is good enough there to stick around and continue this and think Cleveland's the place to be. I in my guts gonna tell me no, especially with how they just got swept. It it showed that and they're gridlocked. It, there's nothing else that they can do there in regards to beating this Warriors team, and he's gonna have to go figure it out elsewhere. And I think he did what he had to do with Cleveland. He came back. He won them a championship. Right. He I said, "Cleveland, he this is for you." Yeah, he killed it. But let's let's move on to Corbin. I'm gonna let you run with this one to start off, and let's make the case for the 76ers, good and for bad. Okay. Yeah. So the 76ers, it's a really interesting case that gained a lot more um, a lot more layers to it over the past week or two so for anyone who 
doesn't know what happened with the 76ers and their former general manager, Brian Colangelo. So Brian Colangelo was brought on to, I believe, be an, the president of basketball operations um, a few years ago when Sam Hinkie, who is the founder of the process for the 76ers, was still the general manager for the 76ers. At that time, a few years ago, uh, the NBA had kind of grown tired of Sam Hinkie's Trust the Process Act, where he intentionally made the 76ers bad year after year to try to accumulate high draft picks in hopes of gaining some uh, big-time stars or potential stars. And they brought on Jerry Colangelo, who was Brian Colangelo's father, to be a special advisor to the 76ers. He came in, and then a little bit after, he brought his son in, Brian Colangelo, as the president of basketball operations. He came from uh, he came from Toronto, right? I think he had taken like a year or two off. He had been he had actually won executive of the year twice before, once with the Phoenix Suns, I believe back yeah. in oh seven yeah. or oh five. I believe I believe that was that was with his father. Yeah, but Brian Colangelo was the general manager in Phoenix. I think Yeah, his, no, they were together. His father, yeah. his father was an advisor there too, but then he went to the Raptors um, he had an okay stretch there. He did win executive of the year once there, um, and then he took some time off. I believe he was fired from the Raptors. And then, yeah, his father, Jerry Colangelo, brought him in to be president of basketball operations. Um, that was seen as like a huge slight towards Sam Hinkie. Um, Jerry Colangelo and Brian Colangelo both immediately uh, were putting pressure on 76ers ownership to kind of go away from Sam Hinkie's process. And Sam Hinkie ended up resigning a little bit later. Um, then Brian Colangelo took over as the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. And since he's become their general manager over the past, I think it's been about two years, 76ers have gotten a lot better, but Brian Colangelo's made some questionable moves. Um, obviously, he drafted Ben Simmons first overall, but that was a given. Ben Simmons was going to go first overall. Um, he traded the number three pick in last year's draft along with a future pick which it looks like it's going to end up being the Sacramento Kings unprotected pick next year to move up from three to one to draft Markel Fultz whereas the Celtics ended up getting Jason Tatum and because they moved back got more that was a little bit questionable um, but the reason why Brian Colangelo is no longer the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers is because of burner accounts so Five different burner accounts linked to him. Burner accounts just means like fake accounts that on, on Twitter to be on Twitter yeah. to be exact. Yeah, burner burner accounts on Twitter. Um, one of the accounts, so the Ringer um, is a sports website. I believe it's linked to ESPN. Um, Bill Simmons. Yeah, Bill Simmons. Um, I think back when he was working for ESPN. But anyways, um, someone had contacted one of the writers on the Ringer. Um, I think earlier this year and drew their attention to five different accounts and said that it was, um, that it looked like they could have all been linked to Brian Colangelo. All of the different Twitter accounts followed people that Brian Colangelo would reasonably follow different people that he's met going to different events. Um, even following some players on his son's high school and college basketball team, his high school head coach, um, the different accounts that speak spoken highly of his son um, and of his teammates for the ways that they um, play on the basketball court. Um, 
So five different ones were linked to them. And also, the person who anonymously gave this tip to the ringer, he didn't mention what his name was. All he mentioned was that he was some like advanced analytics guru, um, which Sam Hinkey was before um, becoming a general manager. For so you the think Sam, Sam Hinkey blew the whistle? That's something that even the ringer, when they published the story, they mentioned how it could have been Sam Hinkey who had done this. And it was someone who was really right. smart because they said that they like ran this through some advanced computer algorithm thing to try to predict how likely it was that this was Brian Colangelo. I think that would have just been so funny if that was Sam Hinkie who ended up blowing the whistle because you know he hates Brian Colangelo. Yeah, so, but pretty much, pretty much long story short with the burner accounts, he was tweeting out, or not, maybe not him necessarily, but these accounts were tweeting out personal information that some was not private some was not public in regards to rehab programs some stuff about Jaleel Okafor a comment comments comments about him comments about oh. Joel Embiid comments about Marco Fultz so things that seemed very if for especially very low profile burner accounts or troll accounts or bot accounts that you might be looking at necessarily, well, hey, yeah. But it would just be like, the, it, but if it wasn't just somebody actually behind this, if this was mm -hmm. just some little account, they wouldn't have this type of information or intelligence to tweet it out and actually sitting there and defending, well, yeah, so yeah, defending people and stuff. So it actually ended up being they did an entire investigation, like what Corbin said, due to the Ringer's investigation and. They, the ringer actually called about one or two of the accounts, and as soon as they did that, every single account that was under look, even though they didn't bring up the names of, like, I believe it was three of the accounts, every single one of them got taken down at once. So clearly they were all linked together, and the 76ers took this and had their own investigation and actually f linked this to his wife, who took the blame, it obviously was Brian Colangelo, but his wife took the blame, regardless the information had to have came from him, it's still his responsibility, it's his wife, his family, and she, know, she knew information, even if it's, I trust my wife or I trust my friend and I told him what was going on, if it got out and you're the only person that knew, or clearly the information came from you, it's your fault, so the 76ers pulled the trigger and made a move. Now, we're going to go back to the subject we started talking about with LeBron James and what 76ers might mean there, and what this all means for now their pursuit of LeBron James, because now one of the hottest positions in the NBA, and of course, is now open, and there's a name that I wanted to bring up really quick, Corbin, that I think really can make this LeBron James saga a lot more interesting you know you know where i'm going at and it's david griffin and and you know it's the story that we all want to bring up is the ex-cavalier um guru who lebron loved and he's going to go there and lebron james is going to follow suit that's what every philly fan right now is hoping for honestly a lot of nba fans might be hoping for i think with the young core that they have there the fact that ben simmons and lebron james share the same agent it's it's all an intriguing story, and right now it makes the 76ers more appealing because what does LeBron James do? He likes having people that he wants there. He likes things to be built around him, and what better way than to make this hire around LeBron James? I just think with Marquette Fultz's busted shot and Joel Embiid's inconsistency that LeBron would never sign with them. That's just my but, but this this goes back this goes back to me saying LeBron James can take any team to the finals even if Joel Embiid's injured for the whole year but if, even if Ben Simmons is out for the whole year and that team is the most is, noted 
76ers critic of all time. Oh yeah, he is, he, he, he's definitely biased. Why? Why? If if he can do it by himself and he's leaving Cleveland because he doesn't want to have to do him by himself, why be in Philly? Why be in Philly? And I just don't see him and Joel Embiid's personality necessarily mixing, and I also don't see um, him and Ben Simmons working. That I mean, they're both amazing players with amazing passers, that, but yeah, Christian, that's the that's the real issue. I think LeBron and Joel Embiid would work really well together, and I think that the Brian Colangelo getting fired, and now the 76ers can bring in David Griffin if they want to be the GM. I think that that helps them. Uh, I think LeBron with James with or without LeBron James bringing in David Griffin's a good move. Yeah, but I think it helps with LeBron James. He's said multiple times before how um, great David Griffin was, and how he publicly said he wanted the Cavs to bring him back, and for some reason they just didn't. Um, but I think that the real issue is Ben Simmons. Yes, they share the same agent, but it doesn't help them play any better together. They both, Ben Simmons even more so than LeBron James, he needs the ball in his hand because one, if you have LeBron James on your team, why are you not going to have the ball in his hand? He's one of the greatest players of all time with the ball in his hand. But Ben Simmons, if you don't have the ball in his hand, you take away so much of what makes him so special. His ability to pass at six foot ten and bring the ball up and outrun everyone down the floor with the ball, that's part of what makes him so unique. But if you just have him as a power forward, I think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle and then he's still probably an all-star, but he's not someone who has that superstar potential anymore. Yeah. And, it, and it hinders his growth, too, as a yeah, should-be-a-third-year player, but a second-year player in the NBA next year. He, and also know. his lack of a shot, too, because LeBron James he needs, he needs shooters. shooters around him so that he can attack the basket and then dish it out for open threes. And Ben Simmons does not do that. Joel Embiid, he, his shooting percentages from the outside took a dip this year compared to last year, so that's mm-hmm. a little shaky. Um, and Marquette Fultz can't hit shit, so... Yeah, I mean, lo- I mean, look at J.R. Smith, for example. He used to be one of the most dominant dunkers in the game and not taking that away from him now. I'm sure he still can do it. But he changed his game 100%, playing with LeBron James. He became a, a spot-up three-point shooter, and that became his game, and everything else followed suit around that because that's how he needed to play to be with LeBron James and coexist and actually help him out. So seeing how players are going to have to adjust like that, you're right, Corbin, the fact that Ben Simmons doesn't have a shot, and he's still trying to, but I don't think he made a three-point field goal this entire no, last year. No, so he, he hasn't made a three-point field goal in his career, right? or that Or I mean, it would just be a one-year career at this point. So but since he was in Sydney. Yeah, so since he was in Australia, he probably shot it on the street, but not, <laughs> not in a game. But let's bring, before we move on to the Lakers, let's talk Houston Rockets. I know you brought them up with the odds. Let's talk about them before we move that on. And I know that there, there's no way that they're going to be able to straight up sign him with well, the with in, unless they don't go after yeah. Chris Paul. And well, no, they they could. It's just so really quickly that I think the only way for them, Houston is just so tricky for LeBron James to get there because I think the only reasonable way for him to be able to get there is if he opts into his. Well, no, that's that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm bringing up. It's just the fact okay. that what I just talked about with 
Bobby Marks and Brian Windhorst bringing up the fact that it's going to be this Chris Paul effect and a lot more superstars might opt into that final year and then go for a trade so that it doesn't completely break the dynasty that they're going to and keep that flexibility for them for the next year. So that would be the only scenario out of any of these because regardless, he I think for the scenarios we're talking about, he'd become a free agent, sign a new deal. With the Rockets would be the only realistic I guess destination that you can call that would require this sign and trade. So that's the only intriguing thing here because I know he wants to win now. And Chris Paul re-signing there, which we all expect him to do, and James Harden. It's and the team that they were able to put together and actually this run that they were able to do seven games almost to the championship. They are one of the they are one of the best teams in the league right now, and they're the second best and team in the league. one of the best offenses ever put together with how they were able to play last year. So adding the King to that, that could be the best team ever assembled and be better than the Warriors. I think that's an actual situation right now that that would become a thing. But then they'd have to shred or shed the contracts of Eric Gordon and um, Ryan Anderson, who both are on pretty hefty contracts right now especially Ryan Anderson which is the most pointless one I don't think he played at all in the finals or at least most of the postseason and but they probably couldn't resign Trevor Reese yeah and, and they'd have to let it go of yeah. vital vital parts of this team but that, that would it would take a lot of heavy lifting from Daryl Morey who shows that he's willing to win now I know he has released quotes that he is one of those top end executives that is trying to go all in for to beat the Warriors right now there's one goal and he released statements that he doesn't know why anyone would not be obsessed with the idea of beating the Warriors right now. He was shocked that anyone would not have that in their mind, considering that's the only thing stopping from a team winning a championship year in and year out right now. And it's the highest level of basketball you can reach. It's now, this is the standard that's been set. So now with the Rockets, I think it's intriguing because I think that would be the best chance to 100% beat the Warriors, in my opinion. I thought the Rockets, the way they were set up this year with the healthy Chris Paul, could have given them a run and really were the first glimpse of hope that the NBA has seen, except for you know the lucky Cavaliers team that came back and won, but Kyrie's not there anymore. But I, th- not yeah, I think anymore. he can actually win a championship on the Rockets right then and not have to do everything himself, but... It seems so unrealistic in my mind because the Rockets are going to have to shed so much of this team and do so much heavy lifting to get him there. Either Chris Paul or LeBron have to be super selfless and figure it or out. Or both of them together because they're, they're going to have to gut their team so much that they'll have no bench yeah. or someone has to be selfless right. and for that, that to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's, move, let's move to the um, Lakers. Here, wait, what? let me just... Uh, I guess since you guys both talked about the Rockets, I want to bring up why I think the Rockets don't even present the best chance to win for him, and then I'll move on to the Lakers and argue why I think that that's even a better situation than the Rockets. So with the Rockets, the reason why I don't think that they present the best chance is because in order for him to get to the Rockets, like you just mentioned, be so tricky for him to get there. In order to do a sign-in trade, LeBron James has to opt in to his contract and decide that he wants to go play for the Houston Rockets before hearing the pitches from any other team besides the Cleveland Cavaliers because before July 1st, the Cavs are the only team that are supposed to be able to speak to him. I'm sure the Rockets, like James Harden and Chris Paul, would be able to talk to him because players can talk to each other. But I don't think that that's realistic. And even if it was realistic and he said, look, I want to be traded to the Houston Rockets, 
do the Cavs really want to work out a sign and trade with the Rockets where they trade LeBron and then they'd have to be taking Ryan Anderson back. The Rockets would offer Eric Gordon back as well and maybe a first-round pick, but is that worth it? Because the Cavaliers are already over the salary cap by quite a bit. If they trade LeBron for Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, and a first-round pick, that's basically a wash in terms of salaries are concerned. So does Dan, Dan Gilbert really want to pay that much over the salary cap and have to pay so much in luxury taxes just to acquire a first-round pick that's going to be probably the last pick of the first round. I don't think that that's realistic. So then, by by, lo- by you, you think way. you think by losing LeBron James and him acquiring a pick by doing all that work, you don't think that's realistic? That's what you're saying? To go that I'm far because because I, I I think gaining something from losing LeBron James is better than having LeBron James lose and you're now the worst there, franchise you, you in the to, league. You need to realize though at what cost because yes they're getting a first round pick back in this case but it's most likely going to be the last pick or the second to last pick of the first round but and then what and then and then you're re, and then you're rebuilding with two first yes, round picks what's so bad about that position with LeBron James going to be the end of the first round on top of that you're having to acquire about 30 million dollars back in salary but what are you, but what are you going to but what are you going to do with that salary this year who are you going to sign that does anything yeah. Perry, they're already over the salary cap, though. So why does he want to pay an extra thirty million dollars to players plus the added luxury tax? Because it's that his trade, money. It's that money. trade because they're so far over the salary cap. That's probably an additional sixty million dollars at least, including the luxury tax. Is that worth it for Dan? But, but, but look what. In the first but round? look what the Clippers were able to do with adding so many different contracts around the league and being so smart and shifty. It wasn't just necessarily a two-team straight-up trade. They were able to... Yes, but the Rockets don't have all of those lower salaries. The Rockets, they cannot get LeBron James and still have Ryan Anderson on their team. No, they can't. And that's that's an obstacle we said they'd have to lose for sure. But it's it's definitely not impossible with how Daryl Morey is to no, figure out a way. In order to do that, you have to trade Ryan Anderson, Anderson and, Eric, and, and Eric Gordon. Yeah, we already said that, but I think that's 100% worth it. And Morey figures out a way to do so if he wants LeBron James. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but it's, clearly but that's the not, only possible way. Morey, it's on Dan Gilbert. Do you think that it's worth it for Dan Gilbert to pay about $60 million well, but, extra while he has a lottery team just to get the 29 But what, But back? what I'm saying is what about another tr- – if he's going to gut that roster, he can get rid of some of those contracts. He can get yes, rid of Tristan no, Thompson's saying, contract. Saying, so he can, that brings us to the last option, which I guess is the most likely, which is the Rockets have to completely gut their team of everyone besides James Harden and Chris Paul. And maybe you can make Clint Capella work just because – his cap hold is pretty low, but even that, those salary cap gymnastics are going to be tough because James Harden's salary is so high, and then Chris Paul, you better believe he's going to be looking for a five-year max. We talked about how some players don't want the five years. He does. He's going to be, what, 33, 34 yeah. years old? He has injury history. He wants the max. So that team, those three, yes, those three are absolutely dominant, but then how do you fill out the rest of your roster? There's no depth there. But now let's move on to the Lakers where if LeBron James were to go to the Los Angeles Lakers this summer, he's not coming alone. Paul George is someone who's been linked to the Lakers for the last, what, two or three years at least. Um, there, are, Most people think that he will end up on the Lakers this summer with or without LeBron James, but a team featuring 
LeBron James, Paul George, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, who ended up averaging 16 points per game last year. But as the year went along, I think just points per game increased pretty much each month. And then uh, the second half of the year, he had to deal with injuries. So his stats would have looked even better. Kyle Kuzma, Julius Randle, who was an absolute monster last year. And once he got into the starting lineup, he was averaging somewhere around 18 or 19 points a game to go with like eight or nine rebounds. Um, and I mean, even Josh Hart to a lower extent, that's some, that's a team that maybe doesn't have quite as much top end talent as the Houston Rockets would, but that's so much more depth around. And that's something that LeBron James has never in his entire career, even with the Miami heat with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch, he did not have that kind of talent around and that kind of depth with Kyle Kuzma and potentially maybe even Julius Randle coming off the bench if, uh, Brooke Lopez, who mentioned he'd take a pay cut to stay with the Lakers if they were a contender next year. That's a really good squad around him and a lot of help. And then you look at Paul George and the perimeter defense that he brings. LeBron James has never had someone who, as a perimeter defender, can be as disruptive as Paul George. I know he had Dwayne Wade in the past, but Dwayne Wade's a six foot four undersized shooting guard. Paul George is a six foot nine athletic, just like Dwayne Wade, but Six foot nine, versatile um, perimeter defender who can guard anyone from the one to the four. You don't want him on point guards too much, but I just think that that versatility, that's something that translates really well to playing the Golden State Warriors as well because you need an ability to basically switch everything, and that team, except for Brooks Lopez, has the ability to do that. Yeah, I, I love the idea of him coming to Los Angeles. Of course, being in Los Angeles and wanting to witness it firsthand and see him flip this franchise back to greatness. It'd be such a great story to see. I think even with or without Paul George, this is a team that is 100% able to compete with the Warriors. I'm not going to say beat the Warriors, but with Paul George, I think it's a team that can beat the Warriors. Um, You're talking about in addition to LeBron, right? Right, in addition to LeBron. And... But even without Paul George, LeBron James there with this current Lakers team, that's an, a team that can definitely compete, compete with the Warriors. I'm not going to say they can beat the Warriors right now. But adding two superstars there, that's something that's a special formula. And Luke Walton, I know, isn't the most coveted coach, but he is a coach that brings a lot of defense out of players that don't play very good defense notoriously. And he's a hustle coach and a coach that's turned this – Lakers team around without any help necessarily, just a good good draft and a couple signings. But we've you know they've swung and miss on a ton of free agent signings, well, and dang. you know they've especially the signings they actually made were awful, and they missed out on Lamarcus Aldridge and so many other big names that they tried to pitch LA to. So now that this is now the year everyone's been waiting for with all of this money and. You know, these are the three with Cavaliers, 76ers, and the Lakers. They're the only three that logistically make sense for the amount of cap space they have. And, you know, when you say depth, I think the 76ers have it also with Sarich and Covington and, you know, even McConnell and some of these players that are, you know, vital parts to the team and adding a guy like LeBron James. He'll have depth there also. So the whole depth thing, I like what you keep chiming on because it's going to help him as he continues to get older, I know that he can do it on his own, but he shouldn't have to do it on his own. They need 
to add, you know, at least a piece, maybe two, you know, around LeBron to give him some help. And I know the uh, Kevin Love seemed to be that guy sometimes, but like we keep mentioning, he's rather injured all the time or sometimes MIA, but then he puts up 25 and 10 or, you know, 20 and 15 and he's back, but then he's gone again. And it's just, that's not enough. Yeah, I, I think Kevin Love was never a great fit alongside LeBron James. Just their, their games just don't mix too well because yeah Kevin Love can stretch the floor and shoot the three but you can find stretch bigs and pay them a lot less right. to do and one thing one thing doing. I did read on an article the other day is that if LeBron James does leave Kevin Love is expendable for the Cavaliers and they're looking I, they're looking to I trade him there's, yeah there's no way that if LeBron leaves there's no way Kevin Love is on that team next year so they're trying to blow it up and yeah, no, they're they're gonna ha- they're gonna yeah, they're gonna have really to blow quickly, it all up for sure. Really quickly, one more point about the Lakers with LeBron James. One thing that I think is kind of being understated and undervalued is Magic Johnson and how he factors into this whole equation. One, just because of how charismatic he is and how um, great of uh, I think how great he'd be able to pitch anyone on the prospect of coming to the Lakers, mm-hmm. but especially LeBron James in the sense that. You think about any other NBA front office, no front office has a player of Magic Johnson's magnitude where he can relate to LeBron James as someone who was the face of the entire NBA and knows what it's like to have to deal with that pressure day in and day out. And to be able to talk to LeBron James about that and have an outlet for LeBron James every single day, there's no other NBA front office that has that. The Clippers have Jerry West in their front office, but... When Jerry West was playing in the NBA, it was not anything like it was now. Magic Johnson put the NBA on the map along with Larry Bird. Um, there's no, there's no other executive that can relate to LeBron James the same way that Magic Johnson can. And to an extent, uh, they, Le- LeBron probably wants to be what Magic is, and that's an entrepreneur when he yes, finishes playing yes, basketball. And, and I mean, the, you could argue Michael yes. Jordan, but he's. He's not nearly as successful. Right. I mean, I just hold on. For example, uh, Magic Johnson put out a tweet today. I follow him. He said, "Oh, great weekend in sports for me. My Dodgers won. Blah 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 blah. My Sparks won. Blah 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 blah. And my new team, the LAFC, which is LA's new soccer team, that's doing a lot better than the Galaxy right now. They also won. Blah 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 blah. And it's not even about the Lakers right now because they're not currently playing." So just seeing, it's just so casual for him. He is sports in L.A. He literally is sports yeah. in L.A. And he, and he, exactly, and he's a celebrity, and I'm sure he's just going to continue to spread his knowledge and spread his wealth across so many different platforms with Magic Johnson. And just like you said, he has a lot to learn from Magic Johnson, LeBron does, and he would be such a great mentor. Um, so, Christian, I'm going to ask you, in your gut, in your heart, where does LeBron James play basketball next year? Los Angeles, and I know we're biased because we're from, from L.A. We're in L.A. right now. But, but logistically, you, you honestly feel that? Yes, it's, it's going to make it, It's going to work on him for so many levels. It's going to work for his career. It's going to set him up for his whole entire future. Yeah. He'll still have the competitive... He'll still be able to be in championship mode. He'll have a bench like he's never had before. And he'll have another superstar next to him, which he didn't have. Uh, Kevin Love was the closest thing to a superstar that he had last yeah. year. So it just makes too much sense to me that the writing's on the walls and... I just can't wait for uh, the decision part three to L.A. Corbin, in your gut, in your heart, where is he playing basketball? I think, I mean, if I got a gun to my head and I got to make a decision, yeah. I guess I'll go with the Lakers. I just, 
I don't think LeBron James even knows what he's doing. I've said this before. It's just, he's not playing on the Cavs next year. But no. gun to my head, I'll say the Lakers. I think the Sixers are right there, too. I don't think that the Rockets are really a viable option just because of how tricky it would be for him to get there without them completely losing the rest of their roster other than Paul and Harden. Um, so, yeah, I'll go Lakers. Yeah, I'm, I, I I'm, obviously love. I'm so torn. I. I want to say he's going to stay in Cleveland, but seeing no, that seeing that series, it's I can't keep my opinion on that firm and be confident on it because they didn't give any attempt. Back and forth like three times just on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I was I'm, I keep chiming the fact that in previous podcasts I've been an advocate that he's staying in Cleveland. Ever since we had Mike Rizzo on the podcast, I've been saying he's staying in Cleveland. Oh yeah. So I want that's why because I'm flopping so much. I wanted to keep saying that. You know, that's what was my previous view, but I can't keep that firm. But I'm not going to leave that yet because I really do think Cody Altman and the Cavaliers are going to give their everything to keep him. And I think that it, it could be enough, but put a gun to you my know, head. You're not, not going to leave that until he's left. Put a, put a gun to my head right now, and I'm going to say Philadelphia 76ers, and my, my I'm hoping that he comes to the Lakers. But... I think you know him and Ben Simmons with the same agent, with the core that the 76ers have and the cap space that they have, and maybe even if they want to abandon ship on J.J. Redick and figure out something else, and Amir Johnson, some of these other guys that they only forfeited one-year contracts to, they've left themselves extremely flexible. I think it's a very appealing, and because of the open uh, position in the front office, I think David Griffin actually comes, and this becomes extremely interesting. So I see that happening. But if he comes to the Lakers, I won't be able to sleep for about a week. So that'd be, that, that'd be amazing. But yeah, I just wanted to get this podcast in now that the finals are over. Give our thoughts on that. Give statistics. Talk about how crazy the Warriors are, how crazy LeBron James is, and of course, what's next for the King and where he's probably going to finish out his career. Mm-hmm. Just like Christian says, decision part two now, part three, part three because three. coming home. So decision part three. But any other things to add in before we wrap it up here, guys? No, just we got last year's NBA offseason was so exciting, right. more exciting than. I can ever remember an NBA offseason. This season, it's a lot of big names, again, that might be changing teams, not just free agency, but trades as well. So, guys, just make sure that you tune in to our next podcast. We're going to have it this upcoming weekend for you guys. Uh, We're going to dive into all of the big-name free agents. We're going to break down different scenarios on where they could be, and uh, we'll make our predictions as far as where we think that they'll end up and uh, we'll revisit those predictions when we know what's happening with everyone and we got a special guest coming on the next podcast so keep an eye out for that as well so yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in to nba unwrapped where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the nba uh, i know last season like what corbin said you guys fell in love with us last season when we started this so hopefully this off season is just as exciting and we continue into just as a crazy draft as last year and moving forward past that but again christian thank you so much for joining us today and being with us as part of the unwrap family and thank you guys all so much for your support all of your interactions on twitter uh, like what Corbin said with this offseason, please keep our notifications on on our Twitter. One of the three of us is always awake, tweeting something on one of the Unwrap pages, covering anything that's coming out that you want to see from every source that you physically can follow. So follow us as your non uh, one-stop shop for anything that you want to hear. 
So please do that. If you are listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, please rate us five stars and leave a review. If you're not on there, you can always find us on the SoundCloud app as well. Uh, on Twitter, it's NBN Rap. For me, it's Perry Aston. You can follow Corbin at CorbinMRPK and Christian at McGowan75. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into NBN Wrapped, and we'll catch you guys next week. Y'all have a good one.